Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. All right, hearts, welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We have a beautiful guest, a guest who's been a dear friend for many years, which as I think about it, it's kind of surprising that uh, I haven't had her on sooner, but I think the timing is absolutely perfect. Today we have Sarah Wagle, who is the founder of Divinely You and the host of the Divinely You podcast. She's also a well-being leadership coach, also an accessibility tech consultant, an author, an artist, and a crafter. She values personal power and supporting her clients in accessing the personal authority of their physical emotion and spiritual well-being. As she continues to practice her own personal authority, she continues to learn and grow and evolve in what is required of her and her own self-care routines to continue to provide this work. And of course, you guys know I love to give the formal introduction, but I also love to give the Abigail introduction. So I'm going to do that because like I mentioned, Sarah and I have been friends since 2016, I would say, right? is when Mm -hmm. we first met in Chicago. Uh, She came to observe my coach training program and was in the coach training program, Accomplishment Coaching, the following year. And uh, so she is an ontologically trained coach as well. And so we've connected every year in many different phases of both of our businesses and our adventures, which I will have her share a little bit about as well. But, you know, Sarah has constantly shown up for the work and constantly shedded and expanded and then shed it again and expanded again in the way that you guys have seen me do. And so she is someone very dear to my heart. And I am so excited to share her heart with you guys here on the podcast. So Sarah, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is awesome. And I would love for you, so I gave you, I shared my perspective, my introduction of you, but (laughs) I would love for you to introduce yourself to us and let us know you a little bit better. Yeah, so I currently live in Arizona and that happened just by sheer accident. I'm originally from the Midwest and I think we're going to talk about how the whole Midwest to the West Coast thing happened for both of us that kind of aligned us. But yeah, I'm a well-being leadership coach. So I basically work with those who want to have their health and well-being be why they're a leader. So for me, it's been you know, sort of, I became the leader of my life by taking charge of my self-care and my own well-being. And so over the last probably, I'd say 12 years or so, um, I've really just focused on making myself feel better and really like having the life that I want that actually serves and supports me being able to be healthy and take care of myself. And so I do that. So obviously like I work out and (laughs) do a lot of things that support my well-being. And so I'm in the middle of writing a book, actually, thanks to your course. Uh, (laughs) What else do I do? I obviously host my own podcast, Divinely You podcast, which I have a lot of fun with. And yeah, I could go on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'd love to ask a couple questions about what you were sharing. There was a common theme in what you just shared about yourself, which is that you prioritize yourself and your well-being. And not all of us either do that or have been taught to do that. In fact, maybe we've been encouraged the opposite. So what has it taken to prioritize yourself and your well-being? It took a lot of me just deciding and choosing 
that I was the most important and not whatever everyone else thought or told me was important. I used to work back in the day. I worked a full-time job and was basically told, show up or you're going to be reprimanded. And I got to the point where at first I felt guilty. Like I wanted to do the job. I wanted to do really well. I was in my late twenties. I was fresh out of grad school. Um, so, you know, you want to impress your, your new career, but it got to the point where I was like, I'm falling apart. I was physically and emotionally, I was falling apart. And so I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this. This cannot be, I'll put it this way. I was almost suicidal. I was to the point where if I don't stop this way of being, I'm going to end it because I didn't want that to be my life. I knew there was a way I could feel better, but I was just really in a dark space of victimhood. So I'm so grateful that you shared that because I think a lot of people get there or go there, but Mm -hmm. don't share that that happens. And so I'd love to ask one, how long was that phase of your life? And two, how did you find your way out of that? So I worked the job for five years and definitely the last year that I worked there, I was fading fast. And I would say it probably took me like five years getting out of that job before I was able to even start to see that there was a different way. And then it took probably another, like the last five years of hardcore personal transformation, the desire to want it to be better and heal the trauma for me to even be able to be where I am now. So 10 years. And <laughs> what's it like to be on the other? Well, I would, cause like, what's it like to be on the other side of that? But also what would you tell someone? So I would say on the other side of it is empowerment, my own personal power to choose, personal authority to say how it will go for me. Um, as you stated in my bio, physically, mentally, and spiritually, there are things that I now will just know. That's not how I, I just can't, like, I can't, that would sacrifice too much of this time that I need to take care of myself for me to commit to that thing, whether it's a person, another job, whatever it is, I have solid, no, I, it's not aligning. It doesn't feel good. If it doesn't feel good in my body, it's probably not something that I'm going to participate in. And if I were going to talk to somebody who's in that space of like, this just sucks. And I feel like if this is how life is, I'm I'm just going to end it. Reach out for support. Number one, that's always like number one. Like I've done this because I reached out to coaches, therapists. I've not done any of it alone. (laughs) Um, But also know that you're loved, know that you're cared for, And that there's a reason that you're here. I'm just thinking about what we were talking about before we started the actually hit record is like breaking up our victimhood and without it being a negative connotation, that being in that space is also being in your victimhood. It's not meant as a wrong or bad or insult. It's that you are wrapped up in life being done to uh, to you, mm-hmm. that you have a lack of control in that area. And so I, I just wonder, like, what did you have to give up in order to get out of that space? I would say I had to give up my attachment to the label 
of depression. I'll say there's plenty of people who have legit depression who do need medical support. Like I want to put that out there so that people know. But I also think that we get super attached to labels and then we kind of, like I just saw myself like, I have to stay in bed. I have depression. I can't get out of bed. I can't do these things because I have depression. Like I labeled that for myself. And that held me in that space because it was kind of, I want to say it was my excuse, you know, like, because I didn't know any different way. I knew I had depression. So I held on to that. So valuable that you're sharing that. And I love that you use the label. And then in the work that we get to do, a lot of people then identify it is, it becomes their identity that I am depressed, Mm -hmm. not I have depression. Because when you have something, you can not have it. Right. Correct. But but if you identify if it is you and you are it, then what then then that might be the only thing that you consider yourself. Correct. Right. That, that that's all that's possible for you. Correct. And so I love the way that you're sharing this because we can release the identity. And so share a little bit more particularly around like your definition or relationship to victimhood. Um, so I felt that when I was a victim, I was a power, I call myself a power victim because I was so victim. I didn't even know how victim I was. And I had like all of my coach colleagues pointing it out. Like, <laughs> just be like, you're so victim. You don't even see it. You, they were all suggesting that I go get a job to support myself. And I'm like, well, I can't just go get any job. Like, let's just add to this, that I have a visual disability as well. Um, And so it's like, I couldn't go get just a waitressing job and make tips. I wish I could because tips are money and blah, blah, blah. Um, And so I would just be super crazy victim in that I didn't have any choices. There was, everything was complicated. Everything was too much work. You don't understand everything hurts or I can't do it because of like, I just had all the excuses, you know what I mean? And I could go down any rabbit hole anybody picked to try to support me. And I would have an excuse. I would have a reason why that wouldn't work. And so I just sat in my victimhood. Like, you know, I lived in Chicago at the time. I wanted to move to California. I had every excuse why that couldn't work. I don't drive. How am I supposed to move to California? I want to do a road trip. I'm not married. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like you can go down every, and when you're a victim, you can go down any and every avenue that can be picked for you to be supported And you can turn it into why that's not something that you can choose your way through or, you know, to accomplish that thing. Oh, well said because, (laughs) oh, well, first off, I imagine there's a few listeners like debating turning this off or (laughs) maybe sinking in their seats a little like, oh, I didn't realize that making every excuse in the book has to do with my victimhood. And so thank you for sharing that. It's hard, right? It's it's like banging your head on the same wall or, you know, try this, try this, try this. Like I would imagine it feels like being in a maze of victimhood that every corner you turn is a new barrier because we're, we're more committed to the excuse than the outcome. And so yes. I love, but you said something that's really brilliant is that being a victim gives you no choice in the matter. Yep. And I'm speaking to the listener, like if you find yourself not at choice and you have every, you can blame or excuse your goal away 
meaning as my husband or my family or my money or my time or my, my health, my well-being, blah, 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 right? Like all of it is just being the victim of the thing that you're blaming or a victim of the excuse that you're providing. And so this is not very functional. You can have all of that. You can fight for, like Sarah, you know, for like she'll say for years with people who tried to help her is mm-hmm. she could just give them the reasons why she couldn't. And people can reflect that all the day long, but for as long as you choose it, you choose victimhood, meaning you choose to not have an actual choice. And so then you said after that is, it is something that you can choose your way through. So tell us more about how you like, you know, let's tell us maybe about the choice to go from Chicago to the West Coast. (laughs) Well, I will say one of the things that I did while I was in this I was coming to the end of being this victim. And one of the things that I did while I was laying in my bed, feeling all depressed and I can't choose my way out of anything, but I would have things in the background, like Jocko Willink. I would have YouTube videos of various people who were talking about ownership and responsibility and all of these things. And I must have learned it by osmosis because I wasn't exactly consciously like paying attention, but I'm like, maybe I'll just get something. (laughs) Um, And I'll tell you now, now I swear by those guys. But anyway, um, so choosing to go to California was the last winter that I was in Chicago. I had turned 40 and it like iced over and I'm walking to transit, which was like probably two blocks from my apartment. I was like, this sucks. This absolutely sucks. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to do this for another winter if you don't want to. And I'm like, you're right. I'm 40. I don't have to do this for another winter if I don't want to. And I just kind of, I had been following some other nomads and I really wanted to do the nomad journey. Like that was just something that I kind of wanted to do, but I had no idea how I was going to do that not driving. Um, because everybody that I knew that was a nomad drove a car and I'm like, I can't just drive a vehicle. I can't just rent a vehicle and do a vehicle. And so I don't know how I got wind of the California Zephyr Amtrak train, but somehow that crossed my radar. And I was like, maybe I can just take a train. (laughs) I was like, how am I going to do that with all my stuff? Long story short, my stuff ended up in storage and me and a suitcase, a duffel bag, and a backpack took a train across the country to California. I don't mean to share for you, but then, and you, you did like, you, you worked at a camp. So you had a new experience there. And then now you're in Arizona, you've made trips back home to Chicago. And so like, what would you tell someone who now, who it has all these maybe excuses about why they can't do something, how to move through that? Well, I mean, like I said before, I'll always go back to saying get support because right before I went to California was when I hired you as a coach because you had just lived in Indiana and made the move to California. So always look for somebody who's ahead of you in the game, who's where you want to go because they're going to help you through it because there was a lot of mental shit, mental baggage that I had to let go of to go be in California, California and Illinois, they function a little bit differently, (laughs) (laughs) right? So there was like a lot of stuff that I had to let go of mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, There was also a lot of physical things, possessions. I mean, 
like that I had to let go. So you've got, and I remember like really resisting letting go of the clutter. I think Marie Kondo mentions it in her book. When you're decluttering, don't tell your family that you're doing it because they will rub you on the guilt trip. I didn't tell my family until after the fact and it really upset them. But I was like, I had to let it go so I could move forward with my life. You literally just have to keep choosing. And sometimes it's like baby steps day by day by day. You're taking one little choice. You're going to choose that you want this coffee this specific way. And you're not going to apologize for wanting almond milk instead of soy milk. Like make it so simple, like so small that it's attainable and be unapologetic about it. And like the more these things kind of got into my brain space of like, I don't need to apologize for wanting to go to California, for wanting to release that old me to move on to this next version of me, whatever the hell that was, because I didn't know at the time that Arizona was even in the picture. (laughs) And I also always knew that I just wanted to feel better. Like all of this has always been because I wanted to feel better. I wanted the depression to be more manageable. I wanted the physical pain to be more manageable. So like you said before, you know, depression's not curable. It's not, it doesn't go away. There are still days that I wake up and I'm like, I still got to talk myself into the day. I still have to do the self-talk. I still have to be compassionate, give myself grace, especially if I have a slow morning or if I oversleep or whatever. I still have to be the responsible one to give myself grace, to get up and still go do the day. You know, I'll say, I'll just say for myself that people see on social media, all the different things that I you know, get to do and the fun that I have. And I do, I love to laugh and there are tough days or, and some of the things in business aren't my favorite things to do. And some days as you catch a bad beat and you sleep in or you don't, you're tired and you're tired of showing up all the time. And so I just really appreciate you normalizing that um, just because you're, you might be living your dream life, right? Like now you're in Arizona, you were in California, like that was better than anything you've experienced. And there's still, you know, still humanness about it all. And so I just really appreciate that because it gets good. It gets great. It gets better every day. And there are still tough days. And so, because I really recognize that with clients, um, they will have a tough day after having a string, like maybe 20 days of good days. And then they have a bad one and they're like, oh no, my whole transformation is gone to shit. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. Is there anything you'd like to say about that piece? I mean, yeah, I've definitely, I actually just went through. So um, as we're recording this, I'm on day 53 of 75 of 75 hard. And what I gave up for 75 hard was I gave up sugar, like added sugar. It's a no alcohol. There's a lots of other rules I won't go into, but I wanted to point to those two, because when we start, you know, eliminating things from our consumption, it brings up all this dark, ugly shit in our body, you know, in our systems, mentally, physically, all these things. And so here it was like the middle of summer, I'm, you know, my body's doing great, but I feel like shit every single day. I felt like shit. I felt worthless. My business was stalling out. And I was like, I don't even know anymore. And I like racking my brain and I'm barely getting through the days crying to my coaches. Like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I should just quit everything. This is 2021. This is after five, six years of transformation. And I have like a good solid month and a half of just down in the dumps crap um, that I'm finally finding my way out of. But it, and it was just, 
I can't even tell you, but it felt like a different level this time. And it, but it's just a matter of consistently showing up and doing the work all the time to get to the point where you can have a month and a half like that, feeling like crap, but still knowing that you're empowered, you're a gift, you're powerful, you're doing good things in the world. And it's okay to go through this piece because this has to come up and out of your system to continue to heal and continue the transformation process. I love that you said that because as I said, in basically in your introduction is like, I've known her for five years, but I don't know why I haven't had a podcast on the podcast sooner. Well, I feel like that answer was exactly why, because I just love where you're sharing from is like, you can be down and up at the same time or like (laughs) those can coexist. And so I just, I'm so grateful because I know there's a lot of uh, men and women who are out there really committed to living their best life and moving through some challenging times or some darkness, right? Like particularly. Yeah. I, well, I was just going to say, I think it was, it started to really hit me about two weeks into 75 hard was I just, that was when it really started to hit hard that I was feeling really crappy. And I'm like, and I think I said it to you, I probably said it to other coaches too. Like I can remember a time where that would have knocked me out of the game. I would have said done with it. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go back to eating sugar and drinking alcohol. And there was something in me that kept saying, no, there's a reason why you need to not have the um, escapisms right now, because you need to experience whatever's coming through your system and get it out of you so you can level up. And it sucked because I really wanted the comfort, but Uh, (laughs) But you got to get really uncomfortable. Yeah, agreed. Well, and so speaking of uncomfortable, because you I know we're talking about, you know, breaking up that victimhood, but you have, and you, you've gone outside of your comfort zone and you have started a business. You have Divinely You, you have the Divinely mm-hmm. You podcast, you have Divinely mm-hmm. You coaching. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do with clients and in the world. So I really like to empower my clients to really see their power, right? Because that's where a lot of this shift was for me, was like really seeing my power and acknowledging my personal authority, right? So I really want to empower others to see that they have the authority for themselves to know and control or choose, you know, their physical situation, their physical health. There we go. Um, That they can control their mental health and that they can control their spiritual health. Um, So I Obviously, I do fitness. I do a lot of fitness things. I've done a lot of mental things, you know, from depression, whatever. And then I tapped into the physical or the spiritual. I studied Reiki. I study astrology. The more I've grown into all three and, you know, just given the attention to all three, the more that I've seen that when all of us tap into all three and we work to kind of heal all three and own them, the transformation is sort of available, like almost opens up for us. And so I really like to work with people on that personal authority. I have episodes on my podcast about it. I want to talk about it more. So thank you, because I think it's that important, especially right now, like just being able to say how it goes for you, how you want to be about those three areas, your physical health, your mental health, and your spiritual health. Beautiful, beautiful. I just think what you've shared throughout this podcast has been a testimony to those three things because it's, it's, there's balance, there's awareness, there's regulation and, Mm -hmm. and continuation is what I want to call it. Because the fact that you just keep showing up 
beyond any of the any breakdown is really so brilliant and it's so human so just thank you yeah. for the authenticity and then um i really wanted to highlight also that you are an accessibility consultant and mm-hmm. and that you shared you shared in this episode that you have a disability and mm-hmm. i'd love for you to kind of like uh talk to us about your experience and then talk to us like what you do as a visibility consultant Sure. And um, yeah, I have like a million questions, but I'll let you go there. I, pile on. <laughs> I have a million things to say. So, yes. <laughs> um, well, so I am legally blind, uh, have been my entire life. Um, so what vision that I have, I don't know any better or any worse. So what I want to say to that is like when someone asks me, like, how much can you see? I don't know. I don't have anything to compare that to. Um, What I will say is that as somebody who has low vision and I've worked in the um, blindness and low vision community, a good chunk of my life is (laughs) it's actually easier if you're totally blind than if you have low vision, because at least if you're totally blind, you're blind. You see nothing. It's easy. When I say I'm low vision, And there's like questions, questions, questions. And I'm like, I can't answer your questions. I don't know. So there's that. Um, And then what I will say about, um, I think I'll just shift it right into like the accessibility with regard to technology in that I kind of want to back up. I want to say with regard to the trip and traveling, the train trip, both to California, and then I traveled train back from California, back to Chicago was breathtaking. Like I'm an amateur photographer um, I can see enough to see with my iPhone camera, you know, to be to have been able to see the mountains and to to see the views that I wanted to see. And, you know, I couldn't see all the details. I did hear other people on the train talking about things that I couldn't see. That's fine. That's just how life goes. But I just there was so mad. There was some magic about taking that train trip. Um, it kind of like went the way that I wanted it to go as far as like a road trip goes. And so I would say if you're somebody who wants to be a nomad, you can be a nomad. I didn't think I could do that. And I did that. And then I'm just going to shift right over. I'm shifting a lot and I apologize. You're doing great. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but I want to shift right into the technology because there's something that I want to make sure that I say so that if your listeners are other people who are small business owners, if you're content creators, all of those things. Well, let me just say this. You can do everything you can do to make something accessible or what you think is accessible and you will never do it a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And the reason why is because my skill set is not someone else's skill set. What devices I use and the accessible features that I use are not what someone else uses. Okay. Abigail and my, our favorite argument is iPhone versus whatever she uses. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, right. So my features are going to be different than whatever would be on an Android um, or whatever. Also, somebody like me is going to use different stuff than somebody who's totally blind. Um, so it's okay that you don't do it perfect because there's kind of no perfect because there's such a vast, there's such a, I'm doing hand motions, goodness gracious. Uh (laughs) There's such a vast array of how it can go that it's, it's okay. What I will say is make sure that you have an available avenue for your audience to get supported provide you feedback so that they can say to you, Hey, your website doesn't work for me because I use this technology or that technology. 
And then you can find out directly from your audience what you need to do, right? Because there's no point in doing it this way if the audience that you're actually speaking to needs it that way. So, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I have a question about um, inclusion specifically, because Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, let's say we're a content creator or a small business owner, or we're just like a human in the world, right? Like (laughs) it's, it's nice to be inclusive. It's nice to not exclude people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if anybody could better, be better educated around this, this subject by including the blind, including like, cause I'm, I want to use like specifics because I think of like specifically in a social media world, you know, you and I have had lots of these conversations, but I think mm-hmm. of, um, someone who's completely blind and might watch my YouTube video and it's all imagery. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. word and words on the screen or what I learned uh, what you shared is like a PDF. No, no, no like a graphic, a Canva graphic that the your screen reader wouldn't read you the words yeah. in my graphic, therefore you're missing certain information. So I, I just find it so fascinating about how to be inclusive. And I would just love if you have anything to share with our audience who's, who's committed to inclusivity. Um, well, and I will say that, you know, these sources are supposed to provide audio description, but it's not easy. Um, what I will say is if you're going to have a video that's going to have like pictures with letters, words on the tech, on the screen, have a voice in the background saying what is, what it is, or have it in your description below your video. Same thing for an Instagram infographic or whatever, you know, have it in your description. There's ways that you can do like alt text for a screen reader, but let's face it. What's the percentage of people on Instagram that would actually use a screen reader to use Instagram? Instagram is a visual platform, but I use it and I love it. But I do ask content creators when they post an image of text, can you please say what this is? And I often get their fans responding, actually (laughs) commenting back with the whole description of what the the image of text is. That's fantastic, right? Um, So it's things like that. You do post an image of text, just plop it in your caption what the text is of the thing. And also just be open. If somebody contacts you like, hey, you posted something and I really want the information. Can you please like type that out for me? You know, because maybe it just needs to be done in a DM or something like that. There's like a million ways this can go. But as the world gets to be more visual, and I've definitely noticed it within the last like 18 months or two years because of censorship and and whatever else is going on, that we're posting images of text because that's less likely to be a problem. So, but the problem is, is that you're excluding a blind person who doesn't have a, doesn't know what that is. So there's that to consider too. I am really appreciating the captions for the deaf and hard of hearing that have become available for reels and stories and things like that. That's just super cool that that's easily available. Yeah, I'm loving what you're saying. And then I, you said something, I, I'm like, oh God, I'm glad I remembered is you, just the word advocate, like the way that you're sharing with us, it reminds me that you have years of one of being low vision and having this disability. So you've, mm-hmm. you've had, you've been forced to advocate for yourself. 
but also that you have all these years of coaching experience. So you've really learned to exercise your personal authority. And so, cause when you're saying you reaching out, giving a company feedback, sending a DM, asking for something to be read to you or shared with you, there are millions of people and they may not even have a disability who will not speak up to ask for support and clarity. What yeah. do you have to say about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing that up because that's the other thing I said at the beginning of this part of the conversation, like you don't know someone else's skill set, right? Like obviously my skill set's pretty intense because I do this crap, but there's somebody else who doesn't A, have the skill set and B, they don't want to, they don't know how to, if they do ask for support, they're going to be like pissy or like super angry, frustrated. Cause they don't have like that emotional intelligence to manage it. I guarantee you I've gotten pissed at you. And then I've taken my deep breaths <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let me email this company and be like, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, cause if I go at every company, like, rah! yelling, it is not going to get me very far, but there is a moment of frustration because I want your content. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't well, and I would get think, it. <laughs> and I would even think, cause like you were, you were sharing anger, but I would think some people go straight to sad or embarrassed, shameful, shameful. Right. Cause so, now like I, especially, I mean, if we're talking about someone who's older and they're losing their vision, I think this is important too. When you do make something accessible or inclusive, you don't know who you're supporting. You don't know who you're welcoming in that you were previously slamming the door in their face and you didn't know it because they can't, they can't articulate it yet right? Because they haven't healed whatever for their, you know, grief through their process of becoming disabled. Yes. Thank you for saying so. Ooh, I'm loving this yeah. conversation. I love you and I love this conversation. <laughs> and um, I just, think, I, I imagine that this is opening up so much for people who may have not, you know, realized. And this, I remember I don't, I had to be like 20. Oh, it was because I was becoming a physical education teacher, but mm -hmm. I also had a, I actually have a second degree in special education, like an endorsement in special education. And I remember as a PE teacher committed to adaptive PE or inclusive physical education that we did an entire, uh, college course. And, and one day we were blindfolded as to be blind. And I was saying, I wanted to say like, I hope this is, doesn't sound offensive, but like mm -hmm. spent, put some blind, put a bandana around your eyeballs for a day and, and go experience life, right? Like mm -hmm. put earplugs in your ears for a day and go experience life. And I just think you will have a completely different appreciation for one, what you do have yeah. and two, a real appreciation for people who are, you know, who don't have that. And yeah, and how to be more inclusive. Go ahead. I'm, and there's definitely a lot of people who would say like, that doesn't even begin to give you any yeah. idea. However, I think that it, it at least gives you something, like at least gives you a nugget of being like, oh shit, how, how would I function my flat panel microwave? Like it's as simple as that. Yeah. Like all yeah. these flat panel appliances, right? This, we don't even have to bring this to technology. We can, you know, because if you're talking about technology, Y'all, I got to learn a whole new lay another layer on top of the layer of just learning how Instagram works or how WordPress, the, the word processor works. I got to learn the screen reader too. That's a whole nother layer of like stuff. 
Yes. Right. So you know like what? we can just take it as simple as like knowing what your, your flat panel microwave is like, because if you can't see how you're going to push the buttons. Yeah. I, I have an honest question and I, I hope this helps anybody, but like, I've always wondered if you are low vision, if you are blind mm-hmm. and there's braille in the world, but if you're blind, how do you find the braille to read the braille? Like, I mean that, I mean that so sincerely. <laughs> I, this is a question that has gone answered for years for me. Um, I, so you kind of have to anticipate or know that it's possibly there. And then you pretty much, okay, so this is, I'm going to tell this funny story and you can do with you what you want with it. But when I was uh, navigating out of a bathroom in a library at the beginning of COVID, this was like one of those like windy entrancey, like, I don't even know how to, it felt like a maze. Yeah. And so I'm like, gra- like touching the walls and finding, feeling my way out of it. Cause I couldn't like, it was so much weirdness. I couldn't even like hear how to navigate. So I'm like touching the yeah. walls, blah, blah, blah. And this woman behind me is like, how does that work during this time? You have to like touch everything. I said, yes, I do. And that's the thing. I have to touch everything. So Braille can be on the walls. It can be, it can be way up over my head because I'm short. Yep. Or like maybe there's like a sign on a door on like a bathroom door, but the Braille sign is like off to the side. But I have no idea because I've only hit the door. Yeah. Why would I even think? So some of it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, that, and that's seriously what I've wondered. Cause like, you know, obviously I've got my sight. So when I'm w- looking at a sign and I, I can see the braille, I spot it quite frequently, but I'm just like, when would I think I should put my hand there? You know, like that's exactly. what kind of, as I've just always wondered that. So thank you for sort of answering. <laughs> <laughs> There's no real, like easy way of knowing you kind of just have to like touch the wall, touch the door, touch the elevator. Like you just got to feel it out. And if it's there, great. If it's not, um, okay. How do I know this is the women's bathroom and hope and pray? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been awesome. And thank you for helping us navigate some of this conversation. Thank you so much for this. This was fun. Well, and so if someone is interested in working on that personal authority, or maybe they're committed to the accessibility in their company or in their content, where could they contact you? And, and- So you can always find me on Instagram. I happen to be there a lot. Uh, and I, my handle there is Sarah, S-A-R-A, divinely you, all one word, no, no underscores. Uh, so Sarah, divinely you. You can always find me at my email, which is sewcoaching at gmail.com. Then there's my Facebook, divinely you dash Sarah Waggle. My name is Sarah Waggle. I am not hard to find. I promise you. I think I'm the only one on the planet, which is completely <laughs> amazing. But yeah, anyway. That's perfect. And it's Sarah with no H, I will Correct. say. And then um, I will also, she, all of the links will be in the show notes. So be sure to head to heartsunleashed.com. You can check on the blog and the search by title page for Sarah's episode. But Sarah, I love you so much. And I'm so grateful that you you shared. I feel like we covered a wide variety of topics. We did. We did. We did. Thank you so much, Abigail. This was fantastic. Yes. And I'd love to just acknowledge the heart that you have, the fire, the passion, the vigor, and uh, just the spark that you bring to the the world. Thank you. I appreciate that. And hearts, thank you for bringing your whole heart today. I hope you got what you needed. I hope you got something you didn't know you needed today. So thanks for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.